www.thepowerofpositivity.fm. Yeah, I think it's really, really important to, to say, what if, you know, what if I do this with this tool? What if I do that with this paint? Coming to you from Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. One day, a week or so ago, I gently pulled the bedroom door behind me and tipped down down the hall in a pre-dawn quiet, lifted the living room shades to look out across D.C. The sky was overcast, unremarkable, but slowly hints and then bursts of color emerged. The clouds went from an indistinct grayish gray to riotous reds and oranges. It was spectacular. And I started wondering about the clouds themselves. What kind were they? What sort of weather did they portend? Where could I learn more? The colors had grabbed my attention and piqued curiosities in all sorts of directions. That got me thinking. Jacqueline Gottlieb, a neuroscientist whom I interviewed some time ago, studies visual attention, our ability to look at or attend to objects in a visual scene. She interprets attention as the mental actions that we take with a hope of informing subsequent decisions. So, for instance, when we pay attention to a traffic light, we're trying to reduce the uncertainty of our subsequent decision about whether to stop or continue crossing the street. Friends are accustomed to me saying, it's all information about news, both good and bad. And it occurred to me that color is all about information as well. If only we understand what we're looking at, understand what has captured our attention. Artists live and work with color as major currency. I feel certain they help the rest of us explore ideas with color, help us experience the world around us, be curious about it. This is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. This week, I'm delighted to have an artist whose work actually hangs in my living room join me to feel our way around this exciting intersection of curiosity and color. The truth is, I first came across Brian Jernigan's name last summer in an Old Town Crier piece about artists who were catching the author's eye. Lenny Campello wrote, quote, his work is a fantastic riot of color. Jernigan disguises his affinity for putting color on canvas in the context of landscape. But what he delivers is something that everyone who paints at one time or another struggles with. Let the color describe and represent the image, not the other way around. I didn't remember that insight until I started research for this episode, but it certainly made me think I was onto something when I came upon it again. Now, I really found Brian, Association Communications Director by Day, painter and teacher by calling via the virtual Arlington Visual Arts Studio Tour, a wonderful way to see and meet a whole host of local artists, links on my website. I loved 
his sense of color, from his lush pastel landscapes to his big, bold abstracts. That ultimately led to our purchasing one of his paintings, which hovers somewhere in between an evocative abstract landscape whose colors change with the day's light. When he's not creating his own work, he likes to foster creation in others by doing demonstrations, teaching workshops and classes. That made me think he was just the guy for this conversation. Who better to talk about curiosity and color than Arlington's own Brian Jernigan? So welcome, Brian. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, you told me when we were talking in preparation for this, that as an abstract artist and teacher, you often tell your students, I must adopt an attitude of experimentation and exploration, which I think is a really a fabulous expression. And I'm wondering, what do you what does that actually look like? What is an attitude of experimentation and exploration? I'm glad that, that you brought that up. I, I just used that same term, terminology, in the most recent class that I, I've been teaching. And for me, uh, it really does mean that, especially at the beginning, there are no holds barred. I think that you you want to look at your tools that you have. It's not necessarily about how they're used conventionally, but how they can be used in a way that is is unconventional. People need to follow their intuition and uh, see what they're drawn to or what, what the, their materials are telling them to do. I, I always talk about the process of abstract art being a conversation between you and the, the subject matter that you're working from or the, the piece that you're working on. And you get, as an artist, you get inclinations. Uh, so if I, I want to use my brush uh, in the conventional way, that's fine. But what if uh, before I finish, uh, I turn my brush around and use the other end to scratch through what I've painted on mm. before? In terms of this conversation, I think it's what colors can I make beyond what I'm squeezing out of the tube? Uh, I think that that is really where the magic happens. Uh, it's going beyond just you know taking that uh, ultramarine blue and putting it on the surface. It's more about what colors can I make from that ultramarine blue? And also how can I change the values of those colors so that uh, you know going lighter oftentimes gives one response uh, in a viewer uh, or elicits a response in a viewer. And you know going darker is a whole other uh, response uh, that they have. You know, sometimes yeah. we talk about high key paintings being light and airy and and having a, a wonderful sense of just floating, for instance, whereas using you know darker colors that are that are below the middle value, they elicit sort of a, a brooding nature uh, oftentimes. and that is the attitude of experimentation that that I try to instill in the the students that I teach. Just to say, you know, especially at the beginning, it's it's all open. There's nothing that is off limits. Uh, you know, if you feel like you need to throw paint, throw paint. If you feel like you need to use a tool in you know to scratch through a surface as opposed to adding on to a surface, that that is certainly all relevant and legitimate uh, in the work that you're doing. And 
you know, I think of that experimentation as a, a curiosity practice, right? A way of being curious. Do you think of it that way? I mean, is that I a do. word you would have put to it? Yeah, yeah. I think it's really, really important to to say, what if, you know, what if I do this with this tool? What if I do that with this paint? Especially in abstraction, I find that, you know, we are often working from our thoughts and feelings uh, and not necessarily something that's that's right in front of us uh, that, that gives us clues as to what it's supposed to be. So if we can, if we can use this, this what if concept to, to help us get through to the create, you know, to create what we want to create, then I feel like that sets us so far ahead of just starting with, with no ideas. I think that it's really important to set an intention at the beginning and that intention, how that develops or manifests over time through an abstract painting is, uh, is different every time. Hmm, that's really interesting. And you, you said something a moment ago that, that really struck me, kind of going back to this idea of color as information. And then if you have something mm-hmm. that's sort of more dark and brooding as a viewer, I take in that information, that color, you know, that tells me something do you consciously use that to pique my curiosity about your image, your intention, your work? I, I think so. I think uh, in the moment, uh, it's for me. I find it's more about you know what what is what is the concept that I'm trying to work with, and how do I best enunciate that in a visual way? And uh, sometimes I, I find that. There are great uses for for dark colors. I have uh, spent the last year uh, working on uh, in a palette that I find is is on the dark side, not necessarily in a, in a menacing way, but that that dark colors oftentimes juxtaposed against really light colors can enhance one another, uh, and it oftentimes will signal to viewers who who are not really steeped in artistic you know, principles, uh, that, that shows people where the focal point is in, in a work. And I find that, that uh, more and more, I'm, I'm drawn to moving beyond just those middle values that come directly out of the tube and going really deep. And I, it's funny because with my students, oftentimes they, they think that they're painting with dark colors or light colors. Uh, but in reality, you can always go more extreme. <laughs> more, and uh-huh. that is, is what I'm trying to push them to understand is that the more extreme you take those colors, the more extreme you take those values, the more likely people without, you know, a, a lot of deep knowledge in abstract or art principles, they get it. I really like this idea of the artist as a kind of ambassador or steward to ideas and using color as the as the as the medium as the as the vehicle mm-hmm. you know I, I mean you've you've probably seen or read Alice Walker's The Color Purple right she yes. she wrote 
I think it pisses God off if we walk by the color purple in a field somewhere and don't notice it. (laughs) And I think she's right, right? That the universe wants us to pay attention to the color purple. I mean, literally or figuratively. And I'm, I'm wondering about what paying attention to color and helping the rest of us pay attention to color kind of means for you as an artist. Yeah, I think it's it's one of the most important tools that we have as artists uh, is to really uh, grab on to color and use it. Uh, that that's our a lot of times that's our superpower um, because a lot of artists I, I will say you know a lot of learning artists don't have that same facility. It takes a really long time to to sort of understand color concepts and it goes beyond just the color wheel. It's, it's much more about, you know, what can I do with those colors and how do they interact with one another, which is something that we call color contrast or relative color, which, which is, you know, how one color looks against another. And that same color looks different depending on what's surrounding it. But I do think that once you get it, it, it becomes a tool that you can use to communicate what your what your message is in your work. Well, it's interesting that you say that because first, you know, I did my homework, right? I started reading up on color theory, not something I've ever paid any attention to. And of course, color context, color wheel, those were things that were familiar to me. But the concept of sort of color harmony and disharmony and kind of finding that sort of sweet spot somewhere in the middle, which got described somewhere as a dynamic equilibrium. I thought this is like the space for curiosity, that if we know too much, we're not curious. If we don't know enough, we're not curious. We have to be in this sort of middle place. Yes. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is a metaphor for, this isn't, you know, an analogy. I'm the queen of analogies, right? That this color harmony sweet spot, this dynamic equilibrium is a dynamic equilibrium of curiosity as well. And you made this really interesting, you had this wonderful expression about the quiet qualities of color and that power of context and interplay, giving them a kind of depth that you that we wouldn't know if we weren't curious if we didn't play with them, right? That's right. That's what that's, you're, right. that's what you're trying to get your students to do. Yeah, yeah, I I really do believe that. You know, I think that that in the idea of abstraction, but all it applies to all art, I think, and that is this concept of you know having softer, quiet areas juxtaposed against more active areas, and that to me is equally important because it shows the viewer where you want them as an artist to look and how you want them to see your painting. And I think that the way that we often achieve that is to be willing to uh, have maybe even just a small area of really intense color or really intense action surrounded by a sea of tranquility and a sea of of colors that are much more subdued you know i i talk to my students a lot about the idea of a mother color and um, what that means is basically it's an amalgam of the colors that you are using on your painting 
So when you pull them all together in one big pile, they end up being kind of a muddy, dark, unappealing, oftentimes, <laughs> color. Um, but you can lighten that with quite a bit of, of light color. Uh, and I think that that is the, the color that you make that creates what these more intense colors sit on. Those intense colors would not look nearly as intense if they were not surrounded by something that was much less so. If they were surrounded by equally intense colors, then again, we wouldn't know as, as viewers, you know, what's most important in a work. A lot of beginning students often fret that I've made mud. I'm frustrated because this is not the color that I wanted. And, uh, you know, I have a whole s section uh, in my teaching on the importance and the value of mud. The, the really, it's, it is important. It, it serves a purpose. And when people get it, they're, they're, it's like their light bulb goes off in their minds and they, they say, oh, I see how this non-color, if you will, really assists those colors that are more intense that I want people to see. And it's, it is a very important way to, to communicate the message of, of the work that you're working on. I think that I would not have really understood that myself had I not been curious about it to begin with, that, that I knew that from a sort of a very primal place that when I mixed mud, surely there was something I should do with it. And it was not very clear to me until I started doing some research on it, but it was important that I made those, those colors so that I could understand how they work within the span of, of the whole Okay, so I have to tell you, when I came across your personal challenge to create 50 different versions of the same image and the color variations you've done so far, and then how the challenge evolved for you in support of Black Lives Matter, that was the moment I knew I wanted to talk to you about curiosity and color. So tell me a little bit about what that challenge represents. Yeah, I think that... Uh... That, that particular challenge is really important uh, because uh, one of the things that, that I think that that exercise has done for me is to really expand my understanding and my curiosity about what the same scene looks like at different times of day, uh, but also at uh, different times of year. You know, the seasons are really great to instruct us as artists on uh, the, the color choices that we make. Uh, and so it was, a, it was a good personal challenge for me. And I, I thought that uh, it was a way of thinking about uh, the, the work that, that I did. And it forced me to expand my thought process about how color can communicate what we're feeling as artists. Well, it's, I, I can see that actually in the, I don't know, you have a couple of them that are on your website to be able to view. And there are places where your color choices are, are realistic and seasonal, as you say, and others where they're like clearly fanciful. And it's it elicits a very different reaction. Each of those images, essentially the same picture, only not at all. 
That's right. And it was it was really that moment of seeing, wow, the, his color choices are drawing out in me very different responses to this picture that I'm looking at. That's right. It's really a natural process, really. What, what I've discovered is that uh, initially when I render a subject, uh, I do render it as I see it. Uh, and that becomes very familiar uh, to people who are viewing it in that, you know, they, they notice that uh, the color of the trees are green, for instance, and the color of the sky is blue. But at some point, you, you sort of run out of the natural way of seeing things, and you're forced into seeing things in a way that, that uh, are more made up in your mind. Uh, and that, to me, is where, where the uh, real key is to color interpretation and color exploration. Sometimes I like the idea that I'm less of a painter and more of an explorer or an experimenter, uh, because uh, when you get past what you can see in the natural world, then that's where the curiosity and takes over. And you shift from doing uh, blue skies into something that maybe, you know, might be pink uh, or uh, even, you know, a, a yellow sky, for instance. I think that that those types of shifts are a way to express the scene, but with a different flavor. You know, those, those, are, those are the aha moments that we have as artists, is to recognize that what, what, we, what we intend and what the results are are oftentimes two very different things. Uh, and especially in abstraction, you know, we, we may have a, a germ of an idea at the beginning, um, but oftentimes the painting itself has an idea of its own. And um, I, I talk about the conversation uh, and the give and take between the artist and the, the work uh, that's coming out. And you can fight it if it's not going your way or the way you feel like it should, or you can, you can go with it. And I think that either is legitimate, but you, you may have a much better, easier time if you choose one over the other. Or maybe if you just stay curious about what what's happening instead of stay making open. up your mind. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So we are almost out of time, but I do want to have you do my big jar wannabe analogies. Are you game for this? I am so game. Okay. Good answer. All right. All right. So I have this literal big jar and it's filled with scraps of paper. I'm going to take out one for you, one for me, and one for our audience. And we're going to make an analogy to whatever is on these slips of paper. Okay, yours is river, and <laughs> mine is revolution. <laughs> uh, do you want to go or you want me to go? Uh, go ahead. Okay, all right. So let me see. How is curiosity like a revolution? <sighs> I was going to play with this. Well, I'm going to say that curiosity is like a revolution because it allows us to sort of, it upends things um, and it can be um, a disruptor, but I'm going to use revolution in another way too, in terms of kind of a, a turning. And I think curiosity is a turning of things so that we gain a, a new perspective. Um, I guess that's how curiosity is like. Revolution. So how 
is curiosity like a river? Yes, I think I think curiosity is like a river uh, because uh, the process is always developing anew. Uh, I think that there's always something around an, another corner, and uh, going with that flow is really where you want to be, uh, so that you see everything and you get the the maximum impact of what's around each new corner. I think that. Um, Curiosity in terms of painting is so essential because it, it is like it is like a river. It is constant and it is ever flowing and it feels right when you're in it, on it, and following that current. Oh, you're a poet too. You didn't tell me that. That was <laughs> lovely. Thank you. Thank you. And audience, yours is horses. How is curiosity like horses? Let me know. Facebook, Twitter, hashtag analogy. Well, Brian, this has really been wonderful. And I want to thank you again for this fabulous painting that I have in my living room and whose quiet qualities I appreciate all the more on the heels of this discussion. So thank you for that added gift. It is so my pleasure. And I I so appreciate the opportunity to get to talk to you today. You've been listening to WERA 96.7 FM. And check us out online and on demand at WERA.FM. You can find all my previous shows on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and Facebook, all at Choose to be Curious, or on my website at ChooseToBeCurious.com. I hope you'll follow me there and on Twitter at Choose Number Two, Letter B, Curious. Don't forget to send us your horses analogy, hashtag analogy. Many thanks to my guest, Brian Jernigan. Links to his wonderful work, the Arlington Visual Arts Studio Tour, and my interview with attention researcher Jacqueline Gottlieb, all on my website. Thanks, too, to Sean Ballack for our theme music, and Blue Nocturnal for a minor etude, and Raycatcher for Chromium Blush, both via Blue Dot Sessions. I hope you'll join us again next time, and until then, choose to be curious. So I have one other question, which I don't know if is a fair question. Absolutely. <laughs> but I wonder, does curiosity have a color? Wow. You know, I think of curiosity as probably more like a rainbow. I, I think one of the, the hardest questions for an artist is to ask what their favorite color is. Because we love them all for various reasons. And that's what I, I how I equate color with curiosity. Because the it's just an endless source of what if. Uh, and I think that, that that is so exciting as an artist. Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com.
Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com. Choose to be Curious is sponsored in part by realtor Christine Hopkins. Curious about real estate? Christine works with clients from around the world using her time and knowledge to build community. As she likes to say, community engagement has always been my big why. Working in real estate has helped me express that. What makes you part of a community more than living there? For more information, visit facebook.com slash Nova House Hunter.